Shona Project Podcast. It's hosted by myself, Alison Curtis, and Shona founder, Tammy Darcy. Thanks, Alison. So the Shona Project has been empowering the young women and girls of Ireland for many, many years. And one of the things we've noticed is that we're always inundated by messages from parents who just want to know how they can raise their daughters to be strong, confident and self-assured young women. And I have a 12-year-old and you have an 18-year-old, so we're on both sides these years. So there's lots and lots to discuss. And each week we want to have an expert on to help us with a specific topic and including things like body image, bullying, boundaries, social media and all of that. And you can always send in your suggestions for topics to be covered on the podcast, podcast at Shona.ie or stay in touch online. Yes, so our website is Shona.ie and uh, yeah, let's get started. Let's get started. And this week's episode, we're talking about our daughters and their online life. Episode two, Tammy Darcy, Yay. the Shona Project podcast. Um, how have you been since the last one? <laughs> well, it's been, am I going to be honest here? 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> since we stopped recording. Uh, so I've been good. How good. Been? So this is something that is on everyone's mind. And I know in my own program, I've done this topic a good few times, but the mm-hmm. inevitability of children having an online life. Yes. Like kids live in two worlds now and we need to get on board with that. And I think it's really interesting, this generation are the first generation to grow up with it and our generation are the last generation to grow up without it. Mm-hmm. So in terms of understanding it, um, we're not really there yet. Well, yeah. some of us. So you would have words of wisdom. I only let, so Joan turned 12 on the 4th of May, mm-hmm. an awesome birthday when your mother loved Star Wars. Um, and I decided to let her have a, fo- a phone. That was her birthday gift. Mm-hmm. And we, about a month and a half, two months after that, decided we let her join Snapchat. Now there was a chaos totally for her first few weeks and she was just getting accustomed to it all. And it seems to have died down a bit, but it did cause stress and anxiety in the house. And we, you know, we as parents had to learn how to navigate all of that and the actual platform itself. So you have experience of your children having an online life. Yeah, well, again, mine are older than yours. Um, I gave all mine phones when they went into first year. That was kind of when they would get one because we live in the middle of nowhere. They mm-hmm. were in a small, really small primary school where most of the kids didn't. Um, some schools, it's the opposite to that. But yeah. like, I think when it comes to our kids... I don't think there's an exact age and I know we're going to talk, talk to Alex soon and she'll probably like say everything I'm saying here is wrong. <laughs> but, um, you know, they mature at different ages and they have mm-hmm. different challenges. And, you know, it's it really is a tricky one because there's two things going on with social media. And we need to be aware of this. There's the stuff that they're consuming and there's how they consume it. So yeah. their actual habits around phone use. Yeah. I went away on a football trip with my daughter and a few friends when they were about 14, 15. And I was the house mom and I had like four girls in my house and I tried to on the first night say let's all leave our phones in the kitchen when we're going to bed at night and two of the girls could not physically sleep without their phones in their hands Oh, and and so there's the habits and then there's you know what they're actually consuming and who they're following and the impact on that so I think this is a really interesting, this conversation could go in a hundred different directions, maybe we'll do three episodes on it but when it comes to girls I do have a question for you. Yes how many adverts do you think the average person sees in a day? Oh my God. Oh, what? About 20, 22. So I ask this to every group that I work with and they always guess between 10 and 100, but you actually see between 6 and 10,000 adverts a day. How? I know. 
What? I mean, I'm online a lot. <laughs> and you wow. only actually notice about 100 of them, wow. like consciously notice of them. But if you think of these young girls' brains that are developing, mm. right, they are seeing those adverts all day, probably more than we do because they're online more. Yeah. And those adverts are trying to sell things and to sell those things, they need them to feel that unless they have those things, they're not good enough. I do notice with Joan a big thing is that she has a lot of tabs open about different things that she wants to buy. And I'm guilty of that with Instagram as well. I'm like, oh, that sure. looks nice, I think. And yeah. I have an adult, d- debatable, but fully developed brain. Mm-hmm. So I understand why that's impacting her as well. So it is an inevitability. Children are going to be online. There are definitely things that we need to consider. And we thought we wanted to have an expert with us this morning on the podcast. And uh, Alex from CyberSafe Kids. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure to have you with us because I know you've worked with Tammy and you've done different things with me on my show as well and you are the voice of reason I feel massively and you've got a lot of research that we're going to dive into in a moment but first of all like what is the absolute basic that parents should be thinking about before they allow their children to have an online life? I think the first question is am I ready for this? Am I as the parent ready for this? Because it it's something we should think about as a process. Yeah. Like like we prepare children to ride a bike mm-hmm. or to learn to swim. You don't, I often say this, but you don't just give a toddler an adult bike and say, off you go. You don't show them the swimming pool and say, off you go. We know that there is a process that, you know, we must prepare them. It takes years to get to them to, to the point where they are ready to go off on their own independently mm-hmm. and ride that bike with their friends or go for the swim with their friends. And we have to trust that we've done enough to kind of make sure that they understand the risks and they're, they're you know, following safety rules yeah. and so on. Yeah. But so it's that kind of preparation piece. So I would say to parents, are you ready? Have you thought this through? Uh, because I think what we're seeing is a lot of parents giving into pressure from their kids. And yeah. that's how the decision's being made as opposed to a thoughtful kind of is is my child ready? Am I ready? Sort of decision. Yeah. It is a minefield though, isn't it? And it's not good enough for us as parents to kind of go, I don't really understand this and just giving them the device. So the platforms all all operate differently as well. Would you have one in particular? And I suppose if we start talking about younger age groups, they're more drawn to the likes of YouTube and Snapchat. What are your thoughts on this? And I'm just going to sit here and listen. (laughs) So so the ones that are really popular with, so we survey children. So we go into schools, we talk to kids and we gather data. Um, Alex, can I just say one thing? Sorry. I'm going to let Alex roll for a minute and I'm going to put these down because it seems like your mic is louder when we're down. Is that, are you happy with that? But like, just hold your hand up if you want and I can throw in. Go ahead. Sorry. So, um, So we go into schools and we talk to kids and we gather survey data along the way and we speak to children aged 8 to 16. So primarily it's it's children in primary schools, 8 to 12 year olds, but we've just in the last year started going into secondary schools. So we do have a bit of secondary school data as well. It's really interesting to see some of the transitions from primary to secondary. But in that younger age group, and this is 8 to 12, so they are all under the minimum age of 13, which is the uh, minimum age restriction on all of the popular apps. In fact, some of them are 16. I think WhatsApp is 16. The ones that are most popular are YouTube. So I think about 74% of the 8 to 12-year-olds had a YouTube account. Uh, And then Snapchat and TikTok are on a par. They're at 37%. WhatsApp, 39%. Instagram was more popular. It's kind of dropped off in this age group. So it's sort of more around the kind of, I think it was around 18%, something Mm -hmm. like that. But those, so those are the really popular ones. Those are the ones that they're on. The ones that we typically hear about are the YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see how it evolves. 
Now, I, I guess, Tammy, you would understand as well the appeal of Snapchat. And that is where I find like that's where Joan and her friends are living right now. But some of the things that we should really be aware of is, and you've mentioned this before as well, Alex, is that they disappear. You can see loca- the mes- messages. You can see locations, all that stuff. What are the basics for parents to be considering for this? Yeah, well, exactly. So, and, and the other thing that we talked about before was the new feature that they added this year, which is the My AI feature, which is this kind of uh, you can talk to it it's your friend that's how they market it yeah Uh, you can ask it anything the problem with it is it hasn't been properly road tested so yes you can ask it anything but the information it returns may not be appropriate for a child it may not be that's scary information so it could be mis or disinformation Mm -hmm. so i think we that's something to be really mindful you can't turn it off either which is another really big problem and it's very frustrating that snapchat were able to just roll this out yeah uh, Yeah. without those checks and balances to children and you know it does have a a, a very young user base Snapchat. Uh, as you mentioned, it is um, an app where messages and and content disappears. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, this encourages uh, dis- disinhibition. So children might say or post things that they wouldn't ordinarily do because they think it's uh, going to disappear. We see a lot of bullying uh, coming across. We see a lot of inappropriate content coming across this app. So it is one that is harder for parents to keep an eye on. There are things that you can do. Uh, for example, you mentioned the Snap Maps feature. Yes. You can turn uh, that set off. that to ghost mode so that you're not revealing your location, which is really a good idea for younger kids because not only does it reveal your location, it actually shows kind of how you're getting from A to B. So you could be on your bike, you could be walking. And because it's understanding your pace, it's predicting oh, what, God. what you're doing. Actually, with the girls, this is a real problem because it just causes so much hassle because the girls see that four girls are there. They weren't invited. Why wasn't I invited to that? Or they see a girl in the same location as a boy that they like or somebody that they fancy. Like it just seems to cause more problems than it solves. Can I throw a scenario at you? This, I think, is like quite the extreme I wouldn't hope, but my youngest went into first year last year, again, from a really small school and all the boys in his year, um, they were spamming each other with like pornography and um, like snuff movies. Like my son told me recently, he said, I have I've seen things that I should never have seen and oh I've been God. desensitized to stuff that I shouldn't be desensitized to. But there was one issue in particular where my oldest daughter, who's 18, she was 16 at the time. Um, a group of boys, they set up this Snapchat group and they got pictures of my daughter, like just her Instagram pictures. But they started putting her pictures into this group and saying things that they were going to do to her when they caught her by herself. Oh, my God. And my son had to see this. So we had to get the guards involved to go into the school. And there was holy murder over this. But this inappropriateness of... like what they're saying and he kept leaving the group and they kept adding him back in again. So I'd imagine that's the extreme, but like it can be used for all sorts, I'm sure. That feature of being added back in is interesting as well, isn't it? So even the child yourself can opt out and then they bring you back in. But this Mm -hmm. is all part of the kind of continuous nature of it. And this is why bullying can be so problematic on Mm -hmm. these apps. You know, it is not just stopping when the school gates shut for the day. It it goes on. And yes, that is an, an extreme example. But unfortunately, we're seeing those sorts of examples. You know, we had a case last year that involved 12 and 13 year olds 
all coming into a first year group. So they were coming in from different schools. They traded Snapchat names at a sort of orientation day or something like that. So suddenly you had this massive group of people that didn't really know each other all going into the same school. And the bullying started really quickly. So it was a, a there was one kid targeted because of the color of his hair, right? Oh. And it was three perpetrators primarily. But it got really nasty really quickly. And then this other kid whose mom was the one that contacted us in the end, but he was 12, and he kind of stepped in, I think in defense of this kid, but in so doing, traded a few insults of his own. And and then it all turned on to him. And he was being sent such oh. inappropriate messaging. And it was very sexually aggressive messaging as well. And that was the point at which he told his mum. And his mum didn't even know he was on Snapchat. So there was, you, you can imagine, a, yeah. a pretty shocking conversation. Mm. But it, it was, what was good in that situation, and it sounds also in your situation, the school stepped in and yeah. the school took it seriously. And we do really need uh, these these things to be taken seriously because, you know, it's not happening in school time. It's not happening on a school device. And we do get yeah. schools ringing us and saying, surely this is not my problem. And you you kind of have to say it is, it is your problem because it's impact on the dynamic in yeah. your classrooms. Is it, Alex, that you know people feel just, it's like the keyboard warriors and it starts at a young age and people just feel braver online and they do things that they would never do face-to-face. So that in itself is part of that beginning conversation parents need to have with their children, which is like, don't ever do anything online that you you know wouldn't do stand over face-to-face. Yeah, so our trainers, when they go into schools, they try and use kind of analogies. So they, you know, the granny rule is one we would say to younger kids. If you wouldn't say it to your granny or you wouldn't show (laughs) it to your granny, don't stick it up online. And the other one is like the T-shirt rule, the same. If you wouldn't walk around with that picture on your your, uh, T-shirt, then don't be saying it online or showing or sharing it online. Or the billboard, you know, think of it on the on the. Uh, city center billboard you know how would you feel mm-hmm. uh, how would you feel if the person you know that that's about saw that you know so it's trying to help kids understand the ramifications which is really tough because they live in the moment yes no sense of that global audience mm-hmm. you know so when you share a really good example of this is we did some focus groups with primary school children so they were third and fourth and then fifth and sixth and we asked them about sharing a video of themselves. Nothing to, you know, some, just them in the bedroom talking to the camera, right? And they were saying, we said, would you feel more comfortable sharing that on YouTube or saving it to a USB and giving it to a stranger in the street? And universally, these kids were horrified at the idea of sharing, you know, giving it to a stranger in the street. They were like, why would we do that? We don't know yeah. that person. What a creep. Yeah. You know, they could look yeah. at our stuff. They could not... Get the understanding. The understanding that YouTube, there were potentially, if you have it, uh, you know, without the privacy settings on, which a lot of kids yeah. would prefer, you're potentially sharing it with many more yeah. creeps. Mm. You know, so we need to be. We, it's not as I said. I'm repeating my point, but we need to be educated ourselves as well. Yeah. Are Tammy your children on TikTok? They've been on TikTok, obviously. Yeah, they are. And I how mean, do you find that in your older? It, it, the funny thing about TikTok is I think a lot of parents are not aware of this because it's so triggered or so targeted to your own algorithm that yeah. your TikTok feed and my TikTok feed are going to be totally different. So I'm on TikTok as a parent and I'm seeing cute puppies and I'm seeing like female empowerment kind yeah. of videos. That's all I see every day. So a lot of parents will then assume, well, that's obviously what my daughter is seeing or what my child yeah. is seeing and that. So, Alex, one of the things that I want to ask you about, especially as parents, is that, um, you know, there's so many new um, platforms coming in and then one replaces the other. And in terms of the, the legislation that protects us and our kids, 
there's been a really landmark piece with Coco's Law in 2021 and even since then. And I think it's really important that we as parents understand the legislation, but also talk to our kids about them. The fact that they could actually be prosecuted for doing certain things. So can you talk me through Coco's Law and what that means and what we need to know? Yeah. So as you say, it's a landmark piece of legislation. So it makes it illegal to share an intimate image of someone. And this is even, you know, even if you did so kind of without the intention to cause harm, it is still illegal. Uh, but this is, I think, is sometimes referred to as revenge porn, which is an awful uh, term. But it's nonetheless incredible that it's only since 2021 that it's illegal to, to share this kind of imagery. But yeah, really important for parents to talk to their kids about what they're sharing and and the possibility of it going wrong. You know, something go, going out, going out of their hands. You know, what goes online stays online. And that really is a true. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. once it's been shared, it is almost impossible to remove. And once it's been shared across platform, it you know it is absolutely impossible. So this stuff then circulates, and it's just awful for the for the person at the centre of it, whose images and such personal intimate images have been shared. So it, a really important piece of legislation, um, and it, it's great to see that pass through. So can I ask another question then? Because I think it's important that we cover the like horror stories and the things that can go on if you're not really tuned in with your kid. But like to bring it back to like practically speaking, how can we as parents not police our kids? Because I think we need to move the language away from like us working against them to to kind of a more collaborative approach, you Mm -hmm. know, to empower them to the good things that social media can bring and just for them to have a healthy relationship. So if I was a parent of of a 13 year old and I was going to hand her a phone today, like how can I how can I create a relationship between me, her and the phone that works for everybody? So, yeah, I totally agree. Children are growing up in the digital age and we need to be realistic, right? You know, they are living out their lives or a portion of their lives online. I think what what's missing at the moment is the preparation. Uh, we need to equip children for being online. I know we started out the conversation yeah. talking about that, but I, it is such an essential piece. And I think for parents, this has been really tricky. And and I and I want to you know I, I want to recognise that it isn't always easy. They do face face fierce pressure from their kids. They don't always feel comfortable uh, dealing with the technology. So I do, and this is where I you know would urge government that we do need to put out public awareness games, much in the way that we have with road yeah. safety. We need mm. to support parents. We need to put those good messages out there. There are some interesting moves around the country with the, you know, this, the schools uh, and talking to parent uh, communities and, and encouraging parents to hold off giving their child a di- It's called the smartphone ban, but I, yeah. word, I don't like the, like the word, word ban in this context. So I think it's more, it's much better to talk about it as, as a, a, a conversation between the parents and the schools around what is best for the children in that community. And if holding off is best, then, you know, that that's something that they proactively do because it's much easier to say no or not yet to your child if you know others in that child's peer group are, are in the same are, are position. The same thing. But Alex, can I say as well, There's, I know in my daughter's situation, there's a few friend groups where there's only one without it. It's and that's very hard. My, my daughter's not on Snapchat and she is 13. And okay. uh, I don't know any of the I think it'd be bad schools. PR for you though if she was. I know, I know. <laughs> Cyber safe kids. Uh, I know. But it is it's no, really it's difficult. And my poor kids roll their eyes and think it's really unfair. 
And I and I'll, obviously I will have to consider it. At is at there some a time stage. where you're thinking about considering it? I, I'm I'm hoping to hold off till 14. Is, is right, my, okay. in my head. Um, but it it is really tricky because yeah. um, her friend group is on it, yeah. and you know uh, when the pressure becomes really great, I will have to have to really consider it. It's just it is it is a, tr- a tricky app. And is she pres- is she putting pressure on you now? So she has wanted to be on it. So right. recently, I think she's kind of accepted, and I've I've dangled other things in front of her. Uh, you know, just a, a pony. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not a pony, but uh, yeah, another dog. No, no. Yeah. So one of the things that I did with my daughter when she was younger and when she started using the phone was, I sat down and worked out an agreement with her. So we talked about what time do you think is a fair time for you to hand yeah. over your phone in the evening. Where in the house do you think you should be able to use your phone? So do you think you should be able to bring it upstairs? And, you know, obviously you review every now and again. And they, as you said, like you ease yourself into it. You're prepared. You don't go from A to like Z straight away. Um, What apps do you think you should use? Do you think I should have your login? Or, you know, do you think I should be able to read your messages? Or, you know, should I have to check your Instagram? So should you be friends with me on Instagram so I can see? And we actually work it out and I remember writing it down and both of us signing it. Now, that is genius Tammy. Well I mean that's what I'm saying about this collaborative. That's so great. Not, not, yeah. These are the rules. It's like let's. I have not done that Joe. Well, you, <laughs> you can put in place um, family agreements um, which are and there are some great examples of those that, that you can do and it's, a, it's an agreement between the parent and the child. So even if it's not down on paper you, you absolutely should be having the conversations around this. And one of the things that we say to parents is you know check the device you know, and have that as part of your agreement that you know especially when they're younger it gets harder as they get older uh, and they need that greater degree of privacy or independence. But certainly at the outset, it's, you know, you're giving them the device. That's a privilege. You're paying the bills. That's also a privilege. So the thing that you yeah. get in return is to check that device. And it is an opportunity to just catch things, you know, maybe content that's coming through uh, that's not appropriate. Yeah. Uh, maybe conversations that are taking a turn that's not great. And it's an opportunity to step in. It does get harder. And I will say this, the more apps are on, because suddenly you're going to have to check Oh, no, we've turned yeah, down so many apps. She keeps asking yeah, for them. Yeah, but, but it does get harder. I spoke to a, a mum yesterday whose who's daughter is having a hard time. Yeah. And, and I was saying, are you checking uh, the, the device? And she just said, there are so many. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't, you know, like it's happening on this platform. It's happening on that platform. It is, t- it is tough. And but it uh, kind of is your responsibility. Of you are a parent is. of a 13-year-old. You wouldn't leave a 13-year-old, go off into a nightclub and talk to overage men. You, exactly. You know, I'm Why like I'm it is. It this, is yeah. hard, and it's a lot of responsibility. And we are all busy, and we all have jobs. Like I have a friend who recently, um, her daughter's phone was pinging and pinging and pinging. And she's 13, and she picked it up, and she found she was being groomed by an old, an older man. Um, but that was the first time she'd ever picked up her phone, and she caught, and she was able to deal with it. And that's vile, mm. obviously. But like. We are parents, our kids, it is a world that they exist in and it is our responsibility and it's bloody hard. And, you know, you, you kind of leave out the rope as and when, you yeah, know, you feel exactly. they've, they've grown, they've matured, they've gotten used to it. They know their own boundaries. So as we said at the very beginning, and I think a lot of really good points and helpful things have been mentioned here. We do want to leave on a positive, though, because as we've said at the very beginning, it's inevitable. Tammy, your children have been on it. Joan has recently joined it. You've done a much better job, Alex, of holding off. What would be your parting words of advice, wisdom? And and we do want it to be on a positive note as well. 
I would say this is a really addressable problem. So I am, we are working towards yeah. a, a very different future for children. So in 10 years, I hope this will all look very different and we're kind of on top of it. Mm. We've got the guardrails in place. Yeah. We know how to parent on it. We know how to educate on it because really that's what it comes down to. If we are parenting children in a, in, a, in a good way, we're preparing them, we're supporting them along the way, we're taking an interest in what they're doing, we're engaging with them, we're putting in place boundaries, which is really important. Uh, you know, I think that we're holding off until we think they're really ready for things. If we're educating in school, and it's not a peripheral topic as, as it is so now. That's so important, isn't it? Like it, it's so, because so often, to, sorry to interrupt, but often to say that Children will take advice from other people better sometimes than their own parents. And it, and, uh, and it offers the opportunity to talk about it yeah. as a class and with the teacher. So I think it's, it is really a really good way. Or bring in external experts if you don't feel equipped as a school to deal with it. But, it, you know, there are lots of opportunities for that. And then in terms of the companies, the gaming, the social media platforms, we do need those guardrails. And I'm hoping this new online safety landscape will really start to put those guardrails. Yeah. We need to go further. We need to ensure that they are treating children as children, recognizing them as children and treating them as children on those platforms. But I do think if we prepare children better and we ensure they're safer in those spaces, this will all look different. I liked your tactic, Tammy, and I wish I'd done that a year ago, well, like four, three months ago, the, the contract. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Alex and Tammy. We'll talk again very, very soon with episode three. Thank you so much on the Shona Project podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thank <laughs> you.